ready? Ready. All right. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to episode 12 of the Promptly Written Podcast. Concept here is pretty simple. Every month we pick a writing prompt, we write stories, and then we talk about them. My name is Matt Garrick, and with me as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, not too much, man. Oh, I'm excited about today because well, we'll get well we'll get to why I'm excited about today later. But like I think I don't know. Right now I think we just got a little bit of follow up to get into a little thing, and then we're just going to jump right into the stories. So um, I wanted to mention this. We were talking about our writing environments and kind of like our process a little bit last time, and I forgot one thing that I thought might be kind of helpful to anybody else out there. So I have a pretty long commute to work, at least an hour if not an hour and a half every day each way. So uh, a lot of times when I'm driving, I'll be listening to podcasts, but then sometimes I zone out and like I'll have an idea and I can't really write anything down while I'm driving. So I got one of those um, cheap little digital voice recorders and I talk to myself and I just like talk into it. I throw it down and if if I did something that day, I just kind of take it into the office with me, jot it down in a notebook and then take it back to the car where it lives just so that I don't lose those ideas. You do anything like that? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I actually, while I'm driving, will attempt to scribble down on a notepad. Oh, man. So, so a lot of times you'll have an idea that, that just sticks with you and you know it's, it's strong enough that you're not going to forget it. But a lot of times, um, in fact, a few of the things that made it into prompts this year, you know, just random phrases that'll pop into your head. Yeah, those ones that are like for some reason it sticks with me in the moment, and I know I'm not going to remember it. Those are the kind of things that I write down. And like while you're driving, like, yeah, yeah, while I'm driving. Yeah. Oh, see, okay, everybody, if you see Ian Lewis driving, steer clear. He's going to scribble down. I, I am a, I'm a professional. I'm a fantastic <laughs> driver. <laughs> so yeah, so I use a, I use a voice recorder. So, but it's also kind of fun because I get to talk to myself in the future, and sometimes I'll be like, Hey, Matt. Hey, future Matt, or like you know stuff like that. So it's kind of fun. And sometimes I forget that I even do it, and I'll come to him like a month later and be like, oh, I forgot about that because I never took it into the house to to pull off the file. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of handy. I've I've been kind of obsessed with those things ever since I saw Dirty Work the first time. You remember the movie Dirty Work? Vaguely. With Artie Lang and Norm MacDonald where they Vaguely, start that yeah. revenge company. But Norm MacDonald was always like – he had a little recorder with him, and he was like, note to self. And then <laughs> – I recall back in the day you had a, a voice recorder that you that you used quite a bit. I have upgraded from... To capture uh, all kinds of inane things, I'm sure. Yes, yes. But I have upgraded from uh, micro cassette to digital. Although, I was thinking about busting out the micro cassette recorder because, you know, why not? I still have it. Nostalgia. Right. So, anyways, I thought I'd bring that up because I, I, uh, I thought about it after we stopped recording. And I thought it was a missed opportunity. So, if you find yourself you know, in your car with an idea, grab one of these things for 20 bucks. Don't pull an Ian Lewis and get a notepad and pencil and like that. Oh, I'm, I'm assuming notepad's cheaper. that takes years of practice. I'm assuming. Oh, it's chicken scratch by the time it's done. Yeah. But, I'm steering, I'm steering and writing at the same time. So it's, it's a mess. Or, you know, I'm pretty sure that most people have smartphones these days. There's some sort of voice recorder built into that. Um, if I were to use that, I'd just forget it was there. So I like having my dedicated little device. Plus, I like gadgets. So it was, I don't know. I, I've, I've had this for years. Don't go blow a bunch of money on it unless you know you're going to use it. So start with your phone and then, you know, do whatever. But yeah. So now I think you have a little bit of follow-up, right? I do, yeah. So um, I think we briefly mentioned last episode that I had entered From Legend 
into the self-published fantasy blog off number five this year. These yeah. 300 books, all self-published, has to be the um, the first in a series or standalone, I believe. Um, Ten blogs, so each blog gets um, 30 books, and they pick ultimately pick a winner, and then each blog reads the other winners, and there's one winner at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, finally got my review. Um, sadly to say, I got cut. Boo. Um, yeah, uh, I, which I didn't have. I mean, there's some other books in there that have already won other awards and that kind of thing. So gotcha. the competition was already pretty pretty stiff. But um, I was hoping for something along the lines of an like an honorable mention or something like that. So um, I, I did I did get cut, but I got I got a fair review. Um, I, the person who who reviewed it, I I gather this wasn't really their cup of tea or their normal type of book that they usually read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was working against me, but they, they were still able to provide some positive feedback and, and that kind of thing. So at any rate, it's, it's some level of exposure. Yeah, for sure. Because the, the, the review that they posted was on the the site, right? It's on their, their blog site. And then it's, it's also on the, uh, there's like a Facebook group for the whole, for the whole contest as well. Gotcha. It gets posted gotcha. there. All right, cool. So yeah, we'll throw a link to the show notes to that review, and then um, I think we'll maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll either go to, to um, the actual uh, the actual site itself or the Facebook page, whatever. We'll pick one. One of those will be in the show notes. So that's a bummer, but um, hopefully he sells some more books because of it, right? Yeah, let's hope. Sweet. All right, so I you know I had a hard time coming up with uh, any sort of general discussion items, so I just I. Last minute, I was kind of thinking, you know, in especially with reading your your latest book, like, and I I, saw, I think I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter is like how people come up with their character names. Now, for me, sometimes I'll just be sitting, especially for, like for this podcast, I'll just be sitting there and I'll be like, I need a boy's name and uh, Billy, good, growing with it. Like you don't like I don't put too much thought into stuff like that. For I will say, like for the one that I did with the two priests, do you remember that? Yeah. The, the priest's name were Justin and Gabriel, and I did, like, try to put a little effort into those. So, like, Justin means uh, fair or righteous. And then Gabriel, he's got a bunch of biblical stuff, but it, it kind of gets derived down to, like, strong man or hero. So it, it was kind of in there. It's like I thought they were kind of polar opposites, and it kind of contradicted itself because the, the one who'd fallen into a... Uh, like a dark stage in his life or whatever was actually the hero. So I, th- I thought that was kind of cool, but otherwise I really don't do a whole lot of that. So you had some, um, man, I'm, I'm calling myself out now. I don't remember. Like there's, what was the Reeves actual, like Logan, Logan right? Hale. Yeah. So um, with the name Logan, did that come out of anywhere or was it just like a strong male name? Yeah. Or? So the, the interesting thing about that book was um, Logan's name was the only one that came to me out of the blue. And I initially didn't like it because um, because there's a comic booky superhero esque aspect to the book. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be synonymous with like Wolverine or something like that, which he's not anything like Wolverine. Right, but, um, right. You know, I, I didn't like it for that reason, but I liked Logan Hale together as is a name for whatever reason. Yeah, and I and it it I just I ran with it, but all the other names in the book I used a um, a name generator. So you can go online and find all kinds of name generators for different, um, you know, you can find for cities, for people, 
you know, fantasy names, Western names. In this case, I used a Western name generator to get names from, I think they were derived from census data that uh, were, you know, it's just a mix and match. They take, uh, you know, uh, first names, last names, and you kind of find combinations that you like and, and, and grab them. That's interesting. Uh, we'll throw a link to one of those in the uh, show notes. If you have one that um, you go to, uh, we'll throw that. This in the is the only. This is the only time I've used one. Okay. This is the first time I've done it. So normally I come up with names just sort of randomly. Okay. So like, well, in that case, like for example, it's because I know you, I know that Godspeed carry my bullet. Like, the idea itself was kind of generated in with a group of friends. Correct. Yeah, it was people I worked with. Yeah. So do. Did the names have anything to do there? Because like you, what, you had Bobby and um, oh man, it's testing me. Like <laughs> go back. Yeah. I remember Bobby. Um, yeah, there was a, Bobby the Raider, and, and right? The Raider what was, what was and the Maggie Raiders? and Bon and Hoffer and uh, so the the Raider never gets named. Um, okay, I didn't think in so. The book, but but those names were just again sort of sort of random. They didn't really okay. Didn't mean too much, but... So we're kind of on the same page. It's just kind of whatever feels right, you kind of go with. Gen- generally, yeah. I just get a something that has a nice ring to it that doesn't sound super super generic. So you did the same thing for the last names? Because Bobby's last name was Klein, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that, I got that from... Uh, there was a band, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And I, if I recall, he spelled his name with a Y. Got Klein, it. Klein, C-L-Y. And for some reason, it stuck out to me. Somebody was telling me about Roger Klein and the, the Peacemakers. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting last name. I'm so going to put that under my hat. So standard writer stuff. Heard something interesting, filed it away oh, yeah. for a later date. Kind of for stuff. sure. All right, cool. Well, that was a way shorter conversation than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, um, I don't know. Is there, do you do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or should we just, like, just dive right into these stories? I mean, we, could, we, we should probably maybe save a retrospective for... for for the first episode of season two, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Um, Let's do that. Being that this is the twelfth episode, so we've we've been doing it for a year. Th- that's crazy to me, man. And, uh, it, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I was I I actually mentioned that to my wife the other day, and she's like, "Really? It's been a year?" And I was just like, "Yeah, it kind of flew by." It did. It's been a lot of fun. Like I knew it was like I thought it was going to be fun when we when we had the idea to start it. And man, I think it. I'm excited about year two. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun for sure. So, um, and then I think as we get closer to the end of the year, we'll probably start uh, planning out the uh, the print version of the stories for this podcast. So everybody can go back and read about the different ways that I kill people. I, I would love to have it available by October, but we'll see. October. Okay. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll, have, we'll, to see. See. we'll have to see. I'm, I'm interested to see because I've never, you know, you've been part of this process before. I've never been part of this process before. So I, um, I'm i getting my manuscripts finished up. And then um, I guess the cover and stuff is the biggest part, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll need, at least for the print, we'll need to know the final page count, have everything formatted with margins and all that kind of stuff in order to know the, the spine width. Yeah. And then the spine width will dictate the size of our cover image. Gotcha. So, yeah. So we're going to get working on that, folks. And uh, by the end of this year, you know, you'll be able to actually read this stuff over and over again, which is great. I'm excited about it. All right. So I don't know. I think that kind of takes us right into this month's prompt, right? Yeah. All right. So 
usually you announce the prompt, but I think because th- this this prompt came from my mom. Like she gave me the prompt, so I'd like to say it if that's okay. That, yeah. The prompt the prompt is awkward goodbyes. So thanks, mom. Love you. <laughs> Here's the thing. She's never gonna hear that because she listened to the first episode, you know, with the the nails. Yeah. And everything. And she was like, Oh, you have the imagination on you. I don't know if I can listen to this. So I have a she feeling. She should have known what she's getting into, right? Uh, you would think. Maybe she, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I mean, she really should. But maybe there's still, in, maybe in her twisted mind somewhere, I'm still kind of innocent or something. I don't know. You mean in her innocent mind, you're not <laughs> as twisted as she thinks. Maybe she'll listen to this episode, you know, because it, it was her prompt. So I, you, you want to kick us off? Sure. All right. So this story is called Untitled, or How Elvis Saved Me from Gandalf and Chet. So that's the actual title? Because I have it right here <laughs> yeah. in front of me, and I wasn't sure if it was just like two options you were swinging them, but that no, is no, that's that's the, the title. title. Untitled, yeah. or How Elvis Saved Me from Gandalf and Chet. And I, once I read it, I'll explain to you why I landed at that, that title. But Okay, I hope there's not a whole lot of Lord of Rings references in here, because I've never <laughs> seen it or read it, and I'm going to be completely lost. There aren't, and I uh, I think I've only read The Hobbit, so I can't help you with Lord of the Rings. Okay, well then we're on the same page. All right, I'm ready. All right, well here we go then. I'm not what you'd call a cerebral person. I act on impulse most of the time, failing to consider the consequences of my actions. There are more sensible people than I who are forever cursed to clean up after my messes. Case in point, I have met my match with a beer-swilling pig standing before me, his loopy eyes floating about in their swollen sockets. He's a sweater, all right, with glistening brow and upper lip. I have offended Chet, and this was bad form on my part. At least I think I've offended Chet. That's what the name patch on his soiled work shirt says. It's possible he's not Chet after all, and is only wearing Chet's second-hand attire. If that's true, I'd be willing to take my chances with whoever Chet is at this juncture. Since I can't prove otherwise, I'll just continue to think of the lumbering bulk of a man as Chet. He's only a stool away, bellowing about how he's going to bury me for referring to his girlfriend as some skank who tried to hit on me, and I believe him. He's reaching for me like he wants to break me in half. The grizzled-looking fellow on the other side of me has just tried to interject. You're probably going to want to get out of here, he says as if I haven't recognized that yet. His mouth moves somewhere beneath his wiry Gandalf beard. For his attempt at goodwill, I'll give him the nod for Good Samaritan of the Year. It was totally uncalled for. I don't know him, and he has no reason to stick up for a guy who just walked into a boisterous biker bar on the south side of town. I instinctively take half a step back, not wanting to usher in the pending blow from Chet. This is the kind of place where patrons take jagged beer bottles to each other's throats. Even if I were to get the upper hand, some local would rise from a murky corner to land a congratulatory blow across the back of my skull. It was just as I was leaning back that a fellow behind me was leaning forward. I hadn't seen him, though I expect he's a close associate of Chet's, a handy friend always on hand, ready to get his hands dirty. The scales tipped and he went too far, taking the brunt of Chet's sloppy attempt at a punch. It's enough to send him careening into the bar, smacking the side of his head on the edge. I, of course, land on my backside, having nothing to prevent gravity's clutches from dragging me down to the sticky, beer-soaked floor. This isn't at all how I plan my evening, I think to myself. I scramble away, half-crawling and half-stumbling to the other side of the room through a sea of battered wooden chair legs and big, clomping, dusty boots, 
worn by rough customers who no doubt like to squash me. Quite aware of my predicament, the scurrying bug across the floor, I eke out as much scrappy strength as I can, reaching up to the edge of a table and hauling myself up on my elbows. My head surfaces, and staring across the tabletop at me is the bald, bearded biker, replete with black leather vest and red bandana around his forehead. From under each shirt sleeve, a mosaic of tattoos erupts which presumably speak to how tough he is. Skulls, fire, snakes, tombstones, and all manner of dangerous, hard-living symbology ripples across his leathery skin. I expect him to enroll me into the School of Hard Knocks 401 and then pound out his graduate thesis on my face, but instead he murmurs a calm warning in what can only be described as an Elvis drawl. Look out, it's a double cross. I turn around, still on my knees, and sure enough Gandalf is approaching with Chad in tow. Instead of the courteous suggestion from before, his subpar dental work spews forth a litany of descriptors that can only have been learned by reading the insides of bathroom stalls. I wholeheartedly believe him in everything he intends to do. Even with Chet's girlfriend complaining near the bar, her face a hysterical, twisted red with the smoky glaze of heavy mascara, Chet advances just as purposely with fists clenched like cinder blocks. I resolve to turn this into a game of keep-away, specifically my face away from Chet. Gandalf looks a bit slow, and I hope to play this to my advantage as I lead him around the bar. So long as I can keep him between Chet and me, I assure myself I'm golden. My mobility isn't what I'd hoped for, however. Moving backward has its own disadvantages, let alone with tables, chairs, and other patrons crowding around. And then one of them shoves me back toward Gandalf. Diving forward, I land in an awkward embrace with him. My nostrils fill with the smell of his musty clothing before he wrenches me aside. The bite of a chair into my side doesn't bother me so much as the embarrassment of being flung around like a rag doll by a man old enough to be my grandfather. Another pair of rough hands throws me back into the fray, but I leverage the momentum to slide past Chet's grasp once again. We dance around the room until I'm backed up against the table with Elvis, whom I'm grateful hasn't yet walked back to his goodwill. In fact, he offers another piece of timely advice over my shoulder as Gandalf approaches. He's got a bum leg. I take a quick glance and notice the hobble of Gandalf's left leg, and so at the last second I kick at his knee. Gandalf goes down in a crumpled heap, and I feel a twinge of guilt at taking out an elderly man until Chet's murderous eyes connect with mine. I fear he's tiring of our cat-and-mouse game, and that he'll no doubt decide to end it quickly. To that end, I dive beneath a nearby table, upending a chair as onlookers yelp and guffaw. Chet has his hands on my feet for a moment before I kick them out of reach, but he's not stopping. His curses fill my ears and cigarette ash fills my eyes. He flips the table over, casting it aside as drink spill and drinkware crashes. In what I'm sure will be my final moments, Chet glares over me in a freeze frame of halted time. His gorilla hands come down, but right before they grab my shirt, someone yanks him from behind. Elvis has come to my aid. He spins Chet around before planting his fist into Chet's mouth. Elvis deftly follows with a gut shot and that all it takes is an uppercut to lay Chet out cold like a slab of meat. Pandemonium ensues with disgruntled patrons taking out their angst over who they wanted to emerge victorious from the fisticuffs, or to my horror, to how much of a pulp they wanted to see me beaten. Still on my hands and knees, I crawl near a corner as fists fly. Once or twice someone tries to drag me into the fray, but Elvis steps in every time. The frenzy reaches some unacceptable tipping point as the bartender, a beefy, gruff-looking man, begins to herd people out of his establishment. There are some standards, it seems, as he manhandles the overly belligerent out the door. I regain my wits and stumble near the door when it seems safe to do so. By now the sun has set, 
and street lights glint off of the motorcycle chrome that lines the curb. The bartender stands with his hands on his hips as he watches a few rowdy drunks stumble down the sidewalk. Elvis is there, too, sitting astride his Harley as calm as if he'd had a quiet dinner to himself. I gaze at him like some awestruck child, and for a moment I don't notice that Chet's girlfriend has sidled up alongside me. She has stars in her eyes and a faraway grin as she beholds Elvis, this new man who has apparently now claimed her affection. You sure know how to carry yourself, mister. I'll bet you take care of a lady mighty fine. With a straight face, Elvis shakes his bald head before starting the raucous motor that burbles away angrily through belching exhaust pipes. I'll burn your soul, baby. With that, he walks the bike away from the curb. Uh, thanks, I say with an ineffectual wave of my hand. Having said our awkward goodbyes, Chet's girlfriend and I are left to watch Elvis thunder down the street with the roar of his motorcycle fading into the night. The end. Sweet. So the one thing that I I found kind of interesting as I was listening to that is like Elvis, right? Doesn't look like Elvis. He's like a biker, right? You just said he was a bald biker. Yeah. But because you identified him like with this voice or whatever, the entire time I was picturing Elvis, which was great. Yeah. So I. And so I guess that kind of goes in with our name thing. Well, so this, this goes back to, I really had, so I, I thought about doing the Elvis voice. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it because I, <laughs> I thought it would sound too dumb. But, like, the way this character spoke, he had, like, this this kind of, like, deep kind of, you know, Elvis drawl, is, I guess is what I called it. Right. Um, just kind of the way he talks, and so that's the character's kind of thinks of him as, you know, in this, like... Everything's happening so fast. His brain—that's how it, he, how he processed it. This—I'm just gonna call this guy Elvis. Yeah, no, I know. I like it because I, I actually like the way that did. I mean, did we even get your main character's name? No, I didn't think so. So I like how he was identifying everybody, like kind of how you would. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're just like looking at somebody you don't know. Oh well, his shirt says Chet, so he's Chet. Oh, this guy sounds like Elvis, so. He's Elvis, and that guy kind of looks like Gandalf. There you go. And uh, I don't know, it, it seemed very, like, natural and realistic to me, especially for somebody who's just, like, chilling in a bar or whatever. Yeah, so this, so this started out as, um, it was just a scene that I had wrote years back, and it was never connected to anything. And I didn't know what I was going to do with it, and I, it never came back to me to make it something bigger. It was just this mm-hmm. weird scene with this person who, like, you know, I try to give him a tone that he sounds like he's a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe polished than the people who he's in the bar with. You know, he kind he kind of uh, is maybe stumbled in over his head. Sure, he's de- he definitely sounded like an outlier here. Right, and so I had this idea of him like just sort of like inadvertently offending somebody um, and their girlfriend, and then like he's going to get pounded for it. And there's just sort of like this solitary lone biker in there who's sort of observing all of it and. He's kind of like the you know the good guy in the room or whatever, and he kind of steps in to to help out this guy who's clearly stepped into the wrong bar. Right? Yeah, because I mean, this Elvis guy was equally as badass as Chet perceived himself to be, or whatever. But you know, he's a do gooder. Yeah. At so, least in I this mean, case. I had yeah, I had only written up to really the point where um, he you know I I didn't even have the Elvis character written into the scene yet. That's how little I had of this written. Um. But I always sort of had an idea of like where it would sort of go. And so this gave me an opportunity to do that. 
So I, I have a couple other things that I wanted to say. One, I abs- I don't know if you did this intentionally or like, but when you called attention to Chet's name, like when you were talking about it, it's like mm-hmm. you said something about like if that is his name or if he's just wearing some secondhand, you know, whatever. Right. I used to wear so many secondhand work shirts. A- actually, that's kind of where it came from. So I remember we used to go to like uh, all those like cool thrift stores that had, uh, you know, yeah. you know, t-shirts and that kind of thing. And I remember you'd get the work shirts and they'd have like a, like a, like a spot where the name patch used to be or whatever. That's actually where the idea for that came Sweet. from. Sweet. Cause I had a Ford shirt that said, uh, I remember Steve. the Ford one. <laughs> yeah. And then do you remember the guy who got really pissed off at me at the bar because I was wearing a U.S. Uh, post office shirt? I do. I do. Yeah, that guy was, was really that in, pissed. Was uh, Ziggy's? Is that where that it was? It was. And he was just like, where'd you get that shirt? Or he, where, where do you work? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> fucking mailman like i just bought paid this shirt. three, paid three like, bucks for yeah, it yeah it was like 250 yo and he was like you're impersonating a federal worker and i'm like <laughs> no i'm really not it's, it's pretty obvious that i am not a mailman <laughs> right now but he yeah he was he was not happy with me yeah but, i i remember that it's pretty funny yeah no that's good stuff so i wasn't sure if that was intentional or not but it made me smile because i was like damn i i wonder if i have any of those shirts anywhere uh, you know, I have a couple of thrift store shirt t-shirts still. Like I've had them forever. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to um, check that out. That was like a thing for a couple years. I miss my work shirts. That was like, uh, well, you know, it was like it was like going to record exchange or something. You never knew what you were gonna find. Right, and if I remember correctly, you used to be able to get those shirts. It was like twelve of them for ten bucks or something oh, like that. It's a one store. Cheap. It was so stupid. So like, yeah, I mean, when you work at the mall and you're making like six dollars an hour why wouldn't you want a dozen shirts for 10 bucks <laughs> right um also i just wanted to say i really liked the way that you handled your action because it never felt like action like nobody was like really like swinging everything like you know what i mean he wasn't getting like right. hit with a chair he was just like moving through the space and you could you could you still got a sense of like this fight happening but it wasn't written like i would expect a brawl to be written but it was like you could still see it so i I think he did a really good job with that cool yeah yeah it was a weird little story i mean it's just it doesn't have a point it was just i had a bizarre idea for a scene that never went anywhere i mean that's that's all it was well speaking of bizarre ideas (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't want to i don't want to give too much away but i I, i'm gonna if uh, I'm just going to get into it. I don't want to give anything away. So, uh, I, do you have anything else you want to say about Untitled or how Elvis saved me from Gandalf and Chet? I don't think so, no. I'm not going to lie. That's probably my favorite title out of the first so year of the podcast. It, the, like, the, document, the, the document that I've had so long was just called Untitled because, like I said, it was it was totally disconnected. Yeah. I didn't know what to call it. And I was just like, well, I'll just call the story Untitled. But then I'm like... As I named these other characters, I'm like, well, maybe there's something more fun I can do with it. No, I think it's great. It's definitely, I mean, it has to be the best title out of the first year of the podcast. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So again, well done. You get a virtual uh, award. I'll throw like a, I'll throw some more of that applause in here right now. So nice. And everybody's clapping. Everybody's clapping. Okay, good. All right, so my story for this month is called Momentary Lapse of Reason. And I'm very proud to say that while usually I completely just obliterate 
our very soft 2000 word limit. Um, I'm way under today. I, I kind of came into this wanting to do something very, very concise and brief. And I think I did it. So here it's we go. Hard, it's hard to do sometimes. It is. But I think for this, I think it's, I think it's exactly what it needed to be. So, but we'll talk about that when I'm done reading it. So this is called Momentary Lapse of Reason. If I close my eyes, I can still see you as I first did. You were like a beacon calling out to me from a dark abyss. No one else was around, and if I'm being honest with myself, and why wouldn't I be, I was more than a little desperate. It's no secret that my mind was in an altered state, and while I refused to use that as an excuse for my momentary lapse of reason, it would seem ridiculous not to include it as part of the equation that brought us here to this moment. You filled what I had believed to be an insatiable hunger, a void that had grown larger as the night progressed, a void that I had nearly given up on filling. But then you presented yourself, and I was reduced to nothing more than a primal urge that needed to be satisfied. As we sat in silence on the way back to my apartment, my obsession began to grow. Your aroma wafted over from the passenger seat, and my mouth watered just thinking about the events that would transpire the instant we crossed the threshold into the world of privacy that the walls of my studio could provide. Not a second was wasted. It sounds cliche to say it this way, but it really was as if two became one. I consumed the very essence of your being in ways that can only be described as animalistic, and I'm ashamed to say that I never took the time to appreciate what you had just done for me. The hours that followed were some of the most relaxed and fulfilled that I can remember, and I drifted off into a deep slumber, something that doesn't come so easily to me. I had never felt so complete. When I arose in the late morning, you seemed to have disappeared without a trace. I sat for a moment in quiet reflection before allowing myself to fall into my normal routine. I took a cup of coffee out on the patio and sat down just as the bells from the church across the street began to ring. I watched in silence as people began to file out of the old stone building. Some went straight to their cars and went about their day, while a few families with young children let them run around on the playground. It was at that moment as I marveled in the simplicity of how a rubber seat suspended by a couple of chains was able to provide so much joy when you decided to rear your ugly head. You couldn't even let me finish my coffee. I made it back inside just in time, and as if someone had flicked a switch, you released all of the rage fueled by what I can only assume was my gluttonous treatment of you just hours earlier. You hit me with everything you had. I strained against you, my body tensing and clenching against your vengeful wrath. Moments of calm worked their way into the mix, serving merely as brief intermissions that allowed me just enough time to catch my breath and prepare myself before you unleashed your next wave of attacks. This went on for the better part of an hour, and then it was over. That brings us back to the present, in which I stand over you, a veritable mess containing only kernels of the beauty that had once captivated me. Your facade has been shattered, your scent has been soured. There's only one thing left to do now that we have arrived at this fork in the road. I finished cleaning myself off and tossed the paper into the bowl. As I pressed the lever that will send you swirling into a place that I know exists but would rather not imagine, I bid you farewell. For one day, the memory of the pain you have caused me will have faded. The mask you used to hide your true self from the world will reform, and we shall meet again. <laughs> 
Was this whole thing about him taking a dump? <laughs> it was. <laughs> he was talking to his shit. <laughs> I'm so happy. I am so happy that you got it because in its first draft, in its first draft, my <laughs> wife did not get it. Like it did. Oh like, man, I, I gotta. I need to hear it again because like. <laughs> wow. Uh, bravo. That I'm, was awesome. Now, I, I've added, I had to add some stuff after her first reading, but the whole time I was like, I really just want to write a story about this guy saying goodbye to me. <laughs> Shit. Wow. I, uh, I, 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 until you got to the toilet, I, I, you totally had me hooked. <laughs> I thought, I thought he was killing somebody. <laughs> Which would have been, which would have been your mo, but this is also your mo. I am so happy that it worked. <laughs> wow, I you, I can't believe you did it with a straight face. It's it's like I was so nervous. I was so fucking nervous that you weren't gonna get it because like, like I I didn't want to give it away too early, so I kind of kept it back. <laughs> but um, I thought that the last paragraph would be enough, and. It, I actually, the first version didn't have me cleaning myself and tossing the paper into the bowl. So it just, it just started with, as I pressed the lever that will send you swirling to a place that I know exists, but you would, but would rather not imagine. So I think it wasn't as obvious, but I really yeah, just like, at I the, agree at the very end. But like, I like, I was so careful with like word choice. Like if you, like when you go back and read this, I tried to put little like pings of food Throughout the whole thing. So if you're on a second reading, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. But yeah, I'm so pleased right now. Yeah. So he's got like takeout or something. He's bringing back to his place. Well, you know, the inspiration. He wolfs it down and then later, uh, <laughs> later it's on its way out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I the, the alternate title for this was Fourth Meal. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm thinking Taco Bell. But yeah, I didn't give it sure. away. And it was just like the, the last sentence essentially encompasses my feelings toward Taco Bell. It's like, for one day, the memory of the pain you have caused me will have faded. The mask you use to hide your true self from the world will reform, and we shall meet again. Because you oh. cannot, in good conscience, eat a chili cheese burrito when you still remember what the last one did to you. Well, so, so one, one, two things. One, I don't know that I've ever had a chili cheese burrito from there. Oh, fucking A. Get two, Taco Bell... <laughs> It it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. Really? Never. Not not once. No. I feel like you're the outlier. I I love Taco Bell. It's oh not that I not that I eat fast food a lot, but when, if I do, usually it's Taco Bell. I mean, no, Taco Bell's great. It's just that usually it it doesn't agree with me. So this, oh, it, this I, <laughs> it's fine with me. I've got a steel stomach though. Yeah. There's not I, much. There's not much that does bother me. I definitely don't. But I, I like I'm literally I have tears in my eyes because I'm so happy that you got it. Yeah, I'm you got and I tell you what, your technique there, um I wanted to do something like that at some point. Yeah. But I, I, I never had a good idea for it or how I do it, but like the whole like take someone down a certain path and you think it's about something else and you're totally relying on the, the listener or the reader sort of like them to project kind of on it a little bit. Yeah. And then you sort of like pull the rug out from under them and be like, hey, that's totally not what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I actually had to pull a couple things out because like when, when she read it the first time, she was like, uh, I thought you just really, I thought you just murdered someone. 
and I, I mean, you know, that's my, that's also my MO, like you, like you mentioned, but I was like, no, he's talking to his poop. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could have been there for that conversation. (laughs) And then she was like, really? And then I had to like, once I, once she's like, haven't you grown past that phase yet? No, I will never like, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's like the one thing that everybody does the same. Yeah, that's true. Everybody has to sit down to drop a deuce and just clench and strain. Well, if you've had enough fiber, there's not really a lot of clenching and straining, but okay. Well, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need more fiber. I mean, I think maybe, maybe we might be putting a little too much information out for the listeners here, but sometimes you can, I do You have, can edit that out. I do have problems pooping. I'm not embarrassed. But what can you do? So yeah, I'm I'm real excited that that landed. Yeah, it did. That, that was uh, that was perfect. That just made my day. So um, I, I was going to go into talk about how like you know there there were there was like almost a poetic nature to it, and you uh, you know I was, I was going to give you all this high praise, but when I find out it's just about <laughs> this guy defecating, then it's like well, okay, well, well, I mean, he was still poetic about it. He was. He was very poetic. Um, <laughs> I felt like he took a you know an intimate topic and. and uh, <laughs> Kind of gave it some humanness and like, uh, at the end of the day, it all boils down to the common denominator. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that one thing that I've been trying to do recently, I've been been actually reading a lot more because I was talking about it with one of my buddies earlier. When when you when you come from screenwriting, it's it's literally all about action getting to the next action without all the feeling and the emotion right. and the stuff like that. And as I'm sitting down and really trying to put out like a long form like novel, you really have to get into the characters' heads. So yeah. So with with stuff like this, like for the past, I'd say probably for the past few podcast, like I'm trying to work that into this this monthly exercise as well because it's something I don't have as much experience with. So I figured we're just gonna we're gonna take under a thousand words and have this guy really think about that meal and what it did to him. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Ah, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's all we got for this episode. That's all we've got. So, we want to know what you want us to write about. So, if you want to do that for a future episode, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can go to the Facebook group. It is www.facebook.com slash group slash pod. We are on Twitter at PWrittenPod, or you can email us directly at promptlywrittenpod at gmail.com. I want everybody to go out and check, check out From Legend and the rest of Ian's work by going to the Amazon page, or I believe ianlewisfiction.com has everything. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Now, I put this in there last month. I'm going to say it again this month. I'm still trying to do this Twitch thing, even though I have very little time to do it. So uh, if you want to go out and follow me on Twitch, I do it like right now. It's like once or twice a month playing Dead by Daylight. I'm pretty excited because Dead by Daylight is adding, adding Stranger Things content to it. So we'll definitely be doing that sometime in the next month. That's at twitch.tv slash Suge That is S-U-G-E-N-I-T-E. But otherwise, MattShagaric.com, at MattShagaric on Twitter. I've, all of this stuff is going to be down in the show notes. So episode 13 is actually going to be a bonus episode that you're going to get in a couple of weeks where we break down Ian Lewis's From Legend in detail. That's going to come for you a couple of weeks. We're going to split the difference between this month and next month's story. So if you haven't read it, you've got a couple of weeks to go buy that book, read the book, and then we're going to talk about it. In great length, I would say, right? 
Yeah, as much as it takes. I've got all kinds of things I can say about it. Fantastic. So we're going to get down dirty on that. Episode 13 is a bonus episode. Thank you for being here uh, for us with for an entire year, and I'm looking forward to year two. Our next regular episode, which is episode 14, is coming to you on October 7th, and the prompt is going to be kind of like a cloud I was up, way up in the sky. So as we talked about on the last episode, this is the first line of the Nine Inch Nails song, Down In It. And that has to be, now are we starting off the story with that, Ian, or does it just have to be in there? I just think it has to be in there somewhere. Okay. So that line from the Nine Inch Nails song has to be in there. If you guys want to hear the Nine Inch Nails song, I'm throwing that in the show notes as well. If you like what you heard today, if you like what you've heard over the past year, we need you to go out, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We need to get the word out. Um, Other than that, I think that's it for today. Right? Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right. See you later. (laughs) 